Okay, so hi Mavericks, welcome to Maverick Spotlights. On this podcast, we talk to real-life Mavericks and game changers to really give you the fuel to get inspired, unstuck, and into action. And our aim at Mavericks Unlimited is to get more Mavericks mobilized, unleashing their superpowers to create a world that works. And on that vein, we've got a, a humdinger for you today. I've got my friend and brother on here, Zekri Khalil from Incitement. Hi, Zekri, how you doing? Hey, brother, Chris, how's it going? Zekri here all the way from Malaysia, truly Asia. Absolutely, all good man. Down the hood. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the reason we've got Zekri on, Zekri is the co-founder and the chief brand officer of a great organization called Incitement, which I think the thing I love most about Incitement is their little strap line, which is talk minus action equals jack shit, which just is brilliant for me. So... Ooh. So, um, basically, Zikri started this up with his partner, Daniel, in 2011. They've been doing great work. They've got f- um, chapters in 43 different countries, thousands of volunteers. I'm going to ask Zikri to explain Sightman more to us in a moment. But what I, w- I will also say is Zikri is a man on a mission. He is one of Forbes 30 under 30 in Asia. He's been recognized as one of the top 100 visionaries by realleaders.com. And he's just a dude, and I love him to bits. So, Zikri, how you doing, man? So, tell, tell us a bit about who you are. Tell us about Incitement. Give us a lowdown, man. Yeah, for sure, man. I would love to share. You know, first of all, it's uh, very humbling to be here. And uh, spending time with Chris is like spending time with Buddha, giving you wisdom. That's how it feels like when you're with Brother Chris. Uh, if you have the wow. time, go and uh, make time with this guy. A little bit of uh, advertising for you there. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> love it, man. Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a Malaysian citizen, uh, but born in uh, beautiful Baghdad, Iraq. My parents were um, uh, former diplomats, lived mostly most of my life outside Malaysia. So I spent uh, 10 years in, in Europe, uh, right. five years in Austria, and five years in Croatia. Then I moved to the States and we were there for almost five years as well. Uh, and then a bit of a cultural dilemma, my dad thought it would be wise to send me back to Malaysia and learn a bit of Malaysian culture because okay. I was too American at one point. And so I did my university here in Malaysia, uh, did all the way to my grad school and I, I left uh, joining the ASEAN Secretariat as my first uh, official job, I would say. Right, uh, right. It's almost, yeah, it's basically like this, the European Union of Southeast Asia, so that's what it was. Um, then I moved to Jordan for two years, studied Arabic, and worked a few NGOs where UNHCR was one of them. Uh, and then I, I left uh, for Malaysia again to work with a corporate company, with a British company actually, which okay. is based okay. in Bristol called uh, GDS International. Uh, I quit, I joined Mind Valley to have a restart of looking at who I am, what am I supposed to do in life, and boom, the assignment. Uh, uh, idea came about while I was working there three months into the job. Wow, okay. Um, so literally this uh, incitement movement that I started with uh, my co-founder from the Netherlands, his name is Daniel de Grauter. Uh We both were working there and it all started with actually uh, what being where we want we want to be a volunteer with uh, Awesomeness Fest in 2011. Right. So at that time it was held in Hawaii but our employer told us uh, we're too new and of course that kind of made us like, you know, well, my, why not, uh, you know, we felt a bit like, you know, frustrated, uh, maybe a bit of, uh, I you say, disappointment. So we thought might as well just do our own A-Fest called Office Fest in the, in the <laughs> office. I love that. That was the main idea, you know. So, you know, we got brilliant people here in the company. 
Uh, and of course, uh, our employee told us this is not a good idea because then you're going to have two different groupies. You know, you have the AFS groupie versus the OFS groupie. So try not to have any kind of, you know, personal conflict uh, between uh, those two. So we're like, okay, no worries, we understand. Uh, but during this process, we realized that uh, our uh, employees at uh, Mind Valley at the time were very uh, smart people, amazing people with amazing stories, well traveled people. Um, and we thought it would be great if uh, these uh, characters, uh, sorry, these uh, individuals uh, working at Mind Valley would just share their compelling stories on stage with a very uh, subtle way of doing uh, talks, something relaxing, something fun, mm. something more entertaining. And at that time, I was already fed up with all this, uh, uh, this, this, uh, this uh, uh, talks that are just with the same kind of setup, 45 minute keynote kind of setup thing with a Q&A and then sometimes you have, um, how do you say, uh, uh, networking if you're lucky. Yeah, so we want to uh, just redesign the whole format. So what we did was we just made it more fun. And how do we mean by fun? Um, well, when you come to Inside Talks, you just um, uh, get a high five from everybody as you enter with a huge pumped up music that kind of helps <laughs> you get in the mood. That raises the vibration levels really high. So you become more receptive and anticipative of the content. Yeah. Um, so we design it also in the way where speakers speak for 20 minutes and they don't speak simultaneously. They, uh, because in between there will be different exercises, which I'll tell you in a bit what okay. they are. Uh, we'll usually talk about a topic about say failing forward or possibilities are endless. Anything that's vague that is somehow uh, has some direct correlation with your everyday life that you would like to come somehow uh, learn more or gain more wisdom or expert or uh, experience or listen to stories that will move you um, Speakers when they speak they are not allowed to just have a monologue with you. They're supposed to be um, Have interact with you. They're supposed to engage ask questions. So it doesn't feel like a one-way street So you're like, you know talking to like a, a speaker where you felt like you're in some kind of very cool seminar ish mm. and you know that kind of setting and in between, we have sessions that will break the ice with the audience. We have sessions that has that will help you, say, learn, you know, like random pitching sessions uh, <laughs> with, with random items that you have in your pocket. Uh, sometimes we have a game where you have to split the room in half and and there will be two teams, right? If you split the room in half, you have two different mm -hmm. audiences. Then, then each uh, group will have to, uh, how do you say, um, Re, uh, reorganize uh, uh, their birth dates from 1st of January all the way to December, so it's going to be chaotic, but it's fun. Right, right, it's a right. lot of chaos, you know, that kind of random stuff that yeah, has yeah, nothing yeah. to do with the, with the subject of the talks. But the most powerful part with our talks is basically the appreciation round. You know, not many of us practice uh, the way of, you know, showing our gratitude to our family or our friends. Absolutely it's very fun. well... I would say underrated, you know. So what yeah. we do is uh, we get all the speakers to come back on stage. We play a bit of co-play, fix you in the background, and we get all the audience to stand up and let them share who do they appreciate the most, what, who moved them tonight, uh, who made them want to do something that matters for themselves. And this is when people start to be in tears. People just start to, you know, tremble. People just mm. start to reflect immediately. And it's the perfect time to give them a call to action. You know, you'll... And this call to action would be, hey, let's channel you through these social projects or uh, NGO programs that you can take part and help them out. Uh, and, you know, you just give them any uh, a question, throw them a question during this moment. 
if you raise your hand if you want to solve uh, and eradicate the energy poverty in Malaysia, for example, everybody will raise their hand and you just say, perfect, amazing. Look, check out this uh, project called Leader of Light. Their booth is just outside. Sign up to be part of it, contribute, volunteer, do whatever you think is necessary to eradicate this problem. Everybody would just sign up. Our sign up rates are through the roof. So to question, to answer the questions from a lot of people I get, which is, is incitement like TEDx. The, the only difference here is we are action-centric. Yeah. We focus on people taking action. It's literally designed to transform people's inspiration to take action at the end of the day. Love whether that. it's for yourself. Thanks, man. Um, whether it's for yourself or for the community that, that really matters for you. Um, so when we that's how we kind of... I did We designed it this way. And sure, of course, sure, we did sure. it this, in the first inning. So our first talk, we only had seven people coming. Course, as uh, it's normal, right? We'll like, start somewhere, right? Yeah, and then from seven became 14, 14 became 20, 20 became 30, and then from 30 became 100. And this is was this was in a span of uh, six months. And I remember a year since the day we incepted uh, incitement, we had about uh, 200 people in the room. Wow, uh, filled up at the uh, Hall of Awesomeness at Mind Valley. And at this time, you know, our employer allowed us to open up for other um, uh, outsiders to come and join for the talk. So it got so packed that we even have to fill up people in the reception room and play it live from there. That's how packed Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so literally what incitement is, it's a movement that incites positivity in the form of goals, vision, shared knowledge, compelling stories, uh, in the hope that you take positive action to help yourself grow or, and help the community around you to 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 grow as well, uh, but this movement literally became uh, it transformed itself. You know, all of a sudden I get people asking me, "What is incitement? What does it do?" The, because the name itself is very negative. You know, media uses it all the time. Right, right, right. Uh, Claiming yeah, so, back the uh, word, though, right? Yeah, exactly. Like I found, I can't. Uh, so literally, the, the first the, before it was not called incitement. It was called. Uh, uh, speedation, which was like so, like out of the blue, you know. Basically, it's speed and presentation put together, right? Oh, okay, but, uh, okay. Yeah. Then I came across this uh, uh, the, on the news. I saw this headline on, on Al Jazeera, you know, Taliban inciting youth up in arms. Then we're like, whoa, what the hell does this word mean? You know, and it literally means to provoke someone. So instead right. of provoking you to do more negativity, we want to redefine this this name from. From negativity to a positive tone, so we want to incite, provoke you to do more positive action. This right. is what we are stand up for. So this right. name resonates with so many people, and uh, around from outside Malaysia, they just said, "Let me bring it to my country. Let me bring it to my city." And at that time, I don't have anything to show, so I would have coaching sessions between 11 a.m. 11 p.m. to 3 in the morning every day for these uh, interested people. And somehow I, we found the time to package it nicely and send it to them so they could do it on their own. Yep. And that's how we grew in 45 countries in the span of uh, three years and a half. That's incredible. Um, yeah. And, so and just, now, and just yeah. tell, us, tell us a little bit about the kind of, there are two, two things I really want to focus on. Number one, like some of the, some of the uh, projects that you've done, you've done some amazing stuff, especially like the Leader of Light project and that. But also, yeah. you've got a really kind of, what I, what I call a maverick business model in terms of how you you know you you do business. So, can you tell us first of all about the the kind of impact you're having? Uh, for sure, man. I mean, uh, like when we built this, when we started this, there was no notion of let's make money. That was never the the uh, the how you say 
the, the motive. Our motive was sincerely more focused on how can we help more people? And that exactly resonates with who I am as a person. Since the day I was a kid, I've always wanted to help people, you know, yeah. whether becoming a policeman or becoming, a, you know, even a soldier at one point. Uh, but then, of course, as you grew, you kind of knew what you want to do. And I can't help people in the masses if I don't join something. Hence, the United Nations was my ultimate dream job. Right. But of course, that did not uh, work out in, in, from a personal level. Uh, so I can't say anything because they're my partners now. But uh, <laughs> uh, so so that's that's how uh, so what we do is we like to help people, especially from our audience, on how to start a project that they would like that could help people. So the first person who came up to us was a Malaysian person, a Malaysian individual uh, by the name of Eugene. He wanted to help the refugee issues, and again in Malaysia, refugees is quite a taboo back then. This is 2012. So we're like, you know what? Uh, let's help you out. Bandwagon with incitement, so you, you can channel our audience to your initiative. And that's exactly what we did. So this project called Incitement Growth is about in, um, empowering underprivileged uh, refugee youth by facilitating them how they can learn uh, subjects through online platforms like Khan Academy. But most importantly is to teach them and, uh, uh, and uh, mentor them on how to uh, pitch, how to sell how to do public speaking, how to communicate with the outside world, how to make, how to negotiate deals, how to uh, present yourself. You know, mm. These are the most important skill set that no modern uh, public school or universities are teaching you. So right. because it was a refugee school, we had all this creativity that we could try out. And it, it turned out really, really well. Um, and that's how we like, oh, I think Simon is just more than talks at that time. You know, awesome. it's, more, it's, it's more than just taking action through our talks. It's about incubating them showing them the way how to get things done you know loss less talk uh, more action this which exactly resonates with the the moral that you mentioned earlier you know talk minus action equals to jack shit um <laughs> i love that and that's how it yeah that's how it kind of you know um got born out and from impact from incitement growth there, then we had a new one called incitement youth where university students were fed up with the way uh, talks were done in university so they will bring the incitement concept to university then we had incitement uh, day one which is basically a incubation acceleration program for anyone who wants to start their own social project and we don't and at that time of course we were still doing this for fun but a lot of them now from the when we did this for the first time got funded they got uh, toured around the world they got a lot of uh, public uh, re uh, publicity mm. um, and they're and to, because of the successful success of this day they've, they've owed a lot to a lot to us so they help us a lot every time we, we, we come up with new things where we need their, their help in you know, sharing or maybe uh, lack of network around the region. So that was one of the grateful things we've done. Uh, so as a business now, what we do is uh, we understood the model, uh, especially in the whole field of social impact. Yep. Um, as yep. you know, um, CSR, there hasn't been any much innovation around it. No, no not so. Yeah. So CSR is literally seen as this there's very little budget of the year. It's the first thing that'll get cut if the economy does bad, and it's meant for helping the beneficiaries, you know. And in Malaysia, it's like you know, oh, let's go to this uh, orphanage and teach them stuff, or right. let's go paint the school. It's like this very old-fashioned way of CSR, but it's not sustainable at all. Right. So what we do is we figured out the fact that a lot of social projects and NGO programs they struggle looking for grants, they struggle looking for funds. And they struggle to get people to invest in them. 
but they're really, really, really good at what they're doing. They're, they, they know what they're doing. They're just, they're just terrible when it comes to marketing. They're just not that good when it comes to dealing from a business framework. Um, so we come in, we help them out. So remember when I mentioned about um, channeling audience to social projects? Yep. So we vet these social projects, these NGO programs that we think that this is measurable, sustainable, mm-hmm. impactful, and innovative so that people know about them. And then we, they get the, the, the type of volunteers they need. Yep. And now they get the type of uh, funding they need. And how they do that is not through crowdfunding because people mistaken us as we are crowdfunding for them. No, what we do is we talk to brands. We, we educate the brands by telling them, you can have a CSR project, but let's be creative. Use your marketing budget. You know, your marketing, your advertising budget those that um, that budget can be looked as funds to power these social projects mm. and in return you get a lot of branding perks digital online campaigns so we pretty much pivoted ourselves uh, into this um, uh, how you say uh, purpose driven marketing agency ish so it. what we do best now is we don't take any money that the social project requires because by right csr money is 100 should be 100% to the beneficiaries, yep. not to us. So what we charge is basic is, is the essentials of helping the branding grow, like any marketing agency, the 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 the, the project management of the of the of the ever of the marketing campaign or the marketing package they choose. Uh, so all the marketing uh, amount we absorb, and that's what we get our cut. And for them, it's cheap. It's not spending millions every year. Now it's spending a small amount on a project that can actually improve their. Uh, uh, customer acquisition. So you have you have uh, our base case study to this day is PepsiCo. Mm-hmm. Uh, they use uh, they use their marketing um, budget really really high. Uh, like um, they're probably the highest among the rest that we work with, and they managed to get one point two percent of their market share just by doing uh, uh, this kind of uh, campaigns through Liter wow. of Light. And that's a lot. You know, if you tell any kind of business out there, huge ones. 1.2% is a huge market share. If they can get that every year, man, they're going to kill their competitor within five years. So that's uh, pretty much our business model. So uh, I love that. I love yeah. that because you, well, what, what I love about it is it's a really, you know, it's a really different way of doing things. It's a way of creating social impact. You know, as you say, a lot of, uh, a lot of NGOs, that kind of stuff doing great work, but don't know marketing. You've got a lot of brands that, you know, kind of know that they need to be more sustainable, need to, and, and as you say, one of the best forms of marketing is kind of through association, right? So yeah, exactly. that, that marriage of, sustainability and corporate social responsibility with marketing. I love that. It's such a, I've never seen that before. Oh, thank you, man. I'm, uh, and listen, it did not, uh, we did not get to this idea by just, you know, simply came to our minds. It was just a lot of uh, testing. So I think the first mistake that we did was we were following other people who were also venturing into social entrepreneurship, right? The first thing they were thinking about Let's get grants. Let's get funds. We're going to get some funds, you know, that could last at least me at least for another year, so I could just, you know, pick my, you know, just get a good foundation and then go gung ho. Um, that's what I did, you know. And uh, we were in so many different uh, competitions, um, but I thought it was like a, a waste of time. And in the end of the day, they never understood what we're trying to build because yeah, social entrepreneurship right. at that time was just like, what is that? Like, how do you make money from helping people? You know, that's like the first thing 
they 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 would uh, assume what social entrepreneurs do. Yeah. Uh, but after three to four different models testing, we kind of figured out, uh, you know, along the way, you know, I, I tried so many, we tried so many things from crowdsourcing speakers coming to Malaysia from the States uh, to doing a lot of workshops. And again, it's a very diluted market already. So there's no need for another workshop. There's no need for another big name speaker and sell tickets. Um, but then this came about just the reason because somebody who had this idea, who started Leader of Light in the Philippines, came up to me and told me, why don't you bring this Leader of Light project in Malaysia? And I told them straight up, you know, Malaysia only has 1%, we have no lights. And I, so I think, I don't think there's a reason why we should do that, because it's only 1%, right? So I had this, I had, it was a mental block the whole time in my head. So he told me, he replied to me, Zikri, in the Philippines, we are 120 million people and 27% of the population still has no access to light. So imagine, that's almost the size of the population of my country, which is about 30 million. Yeah, yeah. So you only have 1% of that 30 million, which is about 300,000 Malaysians. You can definitely eradicate it faster. And when you get there, you're going to be a true case study model for every country to follow because it was done by people, for the people, by the people on the bottom must level the grassroots who are actually advocating for eradicating energy poverty in their own country, regardless of how the, the, the very low percentage. So that got us like, aha, that was the aha moment. Why not right. connect uh, social projects like Liter of Light with brands to come on board and power them up and it became powerful. So Liter of Light in Malaysia alone, well, sorry, in Simon now alone, we have about uh, 35 different brands that we have worked with or currently working with still on different other projects. So we have even projects on donating, uh, getting people to donate their um, uh, laptops and desktops because uh, e-waste is also on the, on the high. And we refurbish them, we get uh, underprivileged kids to, to learn about you know, IT-related stuff, hardware yep. stuff, so they get to learn how to refurbish them, install the apps they need, and we give those away to NGOs and uh, uh, underprivileged schools around the region to finally have uh, desktops and laptops. Um, so that's another project that we're doing. It's called Project Reboot. And then we have another one uh, called, um, uh, uh, what's the other one called? Uh, it's called The Good Health Project. And that's right. more about health, prevent, uh, uh, health prevention. Uh, did I say it right? Yeah. yeah. Preventive yeah. health uh, yeah. related activity, right? Yeah. So, so we go to like, you know, really run down communities that is poor, who don't know anything about hygiene issues or disease issues. So we go tour around, uh, around the country and, um, and, uh, and empower them on, on doing a bottle of health screening, letting them know what they, what's wrong with them, stuff like that, uh, and then prescribe them the right materials, and then put them on a, on a very interactive workshop that, where they can finally learn what's, what's wrong with their, 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 their cleanliness or what's wrong with their health. So they advocate and become more of a community-driven uh, awareness for them to go around and uh, teach the rest of the community. Love it, love it. Yeah, and uh, of course, uh, there's a lot of uh, other projects that we don't start that we haven't started it. So we help them as well. So they they bring in, and this is when we do all the vetting, you know, making sure that they they are measurable, sustainable, impactful, and innovative. Yeah, and then we can help market for them. That means we match them with the brands that are looking for the right uh, social projects to fund and they get branding perks to return. So everybody wins. Love that. What a great model. 
So I, I guess, you know, thinking about this, I mean, you say you, you, I know you've had a lot of hard lessons along the way and all that kind of thing. What's been kind of like the, the biggest obstacle you've faced really since you've launched this and how did you overcome it? Oh man, uh, it's quite a lot. So <laughs> yeah. all, uh, I remember going to a, at that, you know, at that time we were not sure of having an investor, you know, and we're, we've been bootstrapping it since day one. When we do the, um, so I talked to this one investor in, in Slovenia I had this uh, conference called Podin and we were supposed to it was the first time ever sharing a talk about social entrepreneurship and you know out of the 2,000 people who came and they had a lot of keynote and one of my session comes in there was barely 50 people in the crowd who were just not interested <laughs> about social entrepreneurship and there were a lot of VCs there as well so I asked them uh, uh, you know my, my business partner actually asked him hey, are you interested in uh, investing in a social enterprise, a social business, his immediate answer was no. And we just said, why? Oh, because I just, I won't get the, I won't get to exit fast enough. You know, there, and there was not much of an awareness around this. Uh, but I think my biggest obstacle so far is li literally educating the industry about, you know, using their, uh, their marketing budget as a, an arm, as a, actually not to look down on CSR, but look, at the possibilities, if you package it properly, you know, CSR uh, with a bit of marketing budget of you, of what you have for the year, it can definitely drive and change the reputation of what you represent, especially if you are from a company that is doing, you know, stuff that is harming the environment or, or harming people's health, stuff like that, which I'm not, there's no need to name them. No, um, no, of course. Yeah, so uh, that took some time, you know, like, uh, Surprisingly, uh, only one was convincing in the beginning, but now slowly people are catching up and understanding um, our model. Um, then other challenges were basically um, very uh, weak law enforcement as well. Uh, sometimes when we do projects, uh, uh, the, pro the, the project has been delivered, but the protection that they can get, you know, because it does create access to people with very really bad intention, like criminals or right, right, right. people, you know. So these are other um, obstacles that we face, not just me, but everywhere around the world who are doing good. Yeah. Like in Africa, you have a lot of these kind of projects building wells and pathways towards the river and the well. And it's great, they delivered it. But the problem is because of lack of law enforcement, um, they are easily harassed by local army men especially in countries like uh, Guinea-Bissau or Liberia, all these like uh, Eastern, East, uh, West African countries. And women will get raped at one point and then, you know, their dignity is gone, you know, and the, culturally they're, they're, they'll be deserted. So there's yeah. a lot of these things that happen. And that's why law enforcement is, this is what we like to advocate to pretty much influence um, on pressing more reinforcement in the law on the current law or even on the on creating new laws that will pave way for social projects that is having direct contribution to the country's economy. So whatever we do, whatever that we're doing, we're building the, uh, the future of the community. As long as it meets its balance, you know, what they need and what we think is best for them to grow. Um, and lastly, I think the, the third challenge that we face is most you'll be surprised, but it's partnerships with other social entrepreneurs. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, and NGOs. You know, sometimes they just you know they think you're on their turf. You should get off from their turf. Right. They want to be the champion. They want to be the hero. 
you know, that kind of uh, notion, you know what I mean? And uh, sometimes we don't understand why, because all of us have the same goal, you know? Um, right, right. And, yeah, competition is great. I'm not saying it's bad, but... No, sure. Yeah, but well, when you have a really kick-ass uh, campaign or, or initiative that you think both of you could use your strength on, on it, uh, there's a lot of ways to amplify the the impact from there, but unfortunately, they don't see it. So uh, it was quite difficult for us the first two year, first year and a half to uh, to work with uh, the mm. right, uh, say, social enterprise or the NGO program, um, because everybody had their own gang, everybody had their own circle, and uh, they wouldn't want to break that bond, you know. And so I have a very selective few. Uh, social businesses that we work with and NGOs mm -hmm. as well, uh, who are open, who are much more progressive, who much more understand the fact that we should, you know, individually strong, but together unstoppable. So that's the the wisdom that we are trying to advocate. And this one, my my, my this this quote I just told you, this is a, done by a friend of mine from from uh, from the Netherlands. He was talking about football. Mm -hmm. and he was saying this 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 thing. So I was like, wow, that's exactly what we need. We need to be together. You know, uh, and how we figure out on, along the way. You know, it's not. And the, the the issue is people become so impulsive when they say, "Oh, you're doing great things. I'm doing doing great things. Let's do let's do something together." Yes, yes, yes. And then you figure out, "Oh shit, things didn't work out because we acted too fast and didn't think through." This happens a lot as well. Right, uh, right, right. We uh, we yeah. in Mavericks, we talk a lot to use another footballing analogy. We talk about playing in position. So, oh, it's, nice. so it's that whole, whole thing, right, of, yeah, let's work together, but let's all make sure we're in the right position. You know, if you're, a, you know, if you're an attacking midfielder, you're not going to play in defense or that kind of thing. Yeah, so, yeah definitely, definitely. So similar kind, uh, of, similar kind of thing. I mean, I would say the same thing, you know, like uh, that's exactly how uh, we should position when you become more strategic, I guess. You know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So loads of great stuff there, and I just want to—I want to shine the light just away from the project a little bit, just shine it on you. Yeah, go ahead. Um, because uh, you know, you and Daniel had the 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 vision to start this. So I just kind of want to kind of track with you a little bit and kind of. So you're a man. You're in a lot of demand. I know you go to lots of meetings and all that kind of stuff. What yeah. what do you do? So just on a really nitty gritty kind of level, what do you do on a like a daily basis, kind of routines or practices to keep yourself focused and motivated and kind of productive? Okay, cool, great question. Um, I was I was gonna say like I'm not that typical, you know, those articles you read every morning, you know, how entrepreneurs should be waking up four in the morning or five to have their daily Crazy. thing, you know. That's how, yeah. So I'm the total opposite. I'm more productive at night. Uh, I mean, I wake up at nine and okay. or ten sometimes. Depends on the the day as well. If it's going to be a very rough, uh, you know, like if it's hustle day, then I'll wake up a bit earlier at seven or so. But usually, my waking hour, waking up, waking up time is between eight or nine. Uh, I have a normal breakfast, coffee with uh, stuff like that, uh, and I usually start my day with killing all, you know, killing the dragon. If, yep. You know, whatever that is difficult, get it off. I have my scrum, you know, uh, weekly meetings, uh, daily and daily meetings with my team on reporting on what they're up to and how we can help each other, stuff like that. Uh, but uh, I think uh, what keeps me more productive is, I don't know, for some reason, when I go for meetings, you know, 
uh, and at the end of the meeting, I, I, all these ideas starts to, you know, I get this brain farts of all these. <laughs> you know, oh, we could do that. We could do this, you know. And I would just write on my, on my book here. Uh, I can't see, but I have this book that I write down whatever I can. Then I go back to my office and I just get rid of whatever I can. Um, and of course, I'm a big uh, music person, so I would listen to like, you know, techno. It's just you know, I just know why. Just techno makes me when I like, you know. Getting a groove, you know. I can really imagine that, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. You know, um, uh, 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 I think what keeps me more uh, uh, productive also is literally I would watch a lot of videos in between my work on YouTube, sometimes on the on random Facebook posts, just because it sometimes you have this stuck moment, and when I have that stuck moment, like damn it, you know, it's, this is a routine work, or uh, I'm running out of words to write on this copy. I would just start looking at videos sometimes half an hour to an hour and hoping something will, you know, uh, make sense. And it does all the time. So, awesome. and over the weekend when I have nothing to do, of, uh, you know, from, uh, from my workout and stuff, I, I just watch movies that I think will add, and I'll try and look at it in a way where, where can I get my inspiration from and where can I, can this movie get value? Like a good example would be, you know, this may not be the best of example, but I'm a big fan of Breaking Bad. And, uh, mm-hmm. right. you know, if you watch that movie, it's like a guy, he just, he's an accidental entrepreneur. Literally. He's just <laughs> right, literally. He's doing, right? Yeah. He's an, so when I, it could, I could relate to that, you know, instead I, I don't build math labs, I just build movements, you know? Yeah. It was a hobby of mine. I'm just good at, we're just good at that. So I could relate to that. So some, you know, he the, and there's, of course, some parts that talks about, you know, dealing with the cartel which is basically dealing with a business partnership in real day life stuff like that you know yeah and how to deal with the law and and family also so there's a lot of uh indirect correlation between uh breaking bad as a story itself and real life entrepreneurs and there's a lot of movies like that so i always watch movies that, that has these kind of you know un- subliminal uh education inspirational messages you know <laughs> that you could relate to it's just beautiful. That's and uh, and you know what? I came across this guy in Switzerland. Right. He runs this video shop uh, in Bern, I believe. And uh, what he does is, uh, you come to his shop, you pay I think 10, 10, 10 euros or fifteen euros. Mm-hmm. You tell them what's your problem, and he tells you these are the movies you should watch. No way, so watch really. It. Yeah. So that's I was like, cool. whoa, that's like that's amazing. You know, that's like that's what it should be. So this is exactly what it is. So when I watch movies or series. And I get all this like added value from from just through the stories because it's stories that what decides uh, what makes us decide what we want to do. Totally. From the, you know, content is always king, and when it's king, it actually stirs you on on the moments when you're stuck. So that keeps me you know going all the time. You know, I watch tons of movies, man. Like, uh, it's uh, it's just crazy. You know, that's uh, how I keep myself. I would say uh, on the go all the time and. Sometimes it can get a bit cheesy. I just start, you know, trying to act out, you know, what I just want. You know, you're easily influenced, right? I'm just going to act out how to be, you know, Walter White from Breaking Bad. Or... I love it. I love it. What? <laughs> but what? But that's a great reframe of Breaking Bad for a start. But but you're you're absolutely right. Sometimes you can almost take on that persona, can't you, to kind of create yeah. that little shift for you as well. So yeah. so so talking about like the the these kind of characters as it were. Who would be uh, one of your maverick heroes? Who who inspires you? Oh, wow! Um, that's a very good question. 
I think, uh, you know, I would say, you know, apart from my mom and dad, you know, I've seen them going through some uh, interesting stuff, you know. Yep. My dad's a very conservative person, but, you know, he doesn't really show his uh, compassionate love physically. It's just not him. But I know sometimes uh, deep down he really, really loves you. So, uh, 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 you know, my mom is more of a mom who always be moms, right? They'll take good care of you and they'll do whatever to make sure that you're happy, you know. Um, so that, 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 you know, that support has always been something that I've idolized for quite some time. Yeah. And before I took it for granted because you're a rebellious kid and shit like that, you know, normal stuff, right? But as you grow older, you realize, wow, like all the money they put in your education, yeah. all the sacrifices they've made just for you, this is big. I don't know if my gen, our generation will be able to do that, you know? Because uh, it's, quite, it's quite heavy, you know what I mean? They bought a yeah. house, they bought this, 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 blah, blah, blah. So that makes sure that we have a future. Uh, but on a, you know, to, to, but a uh, person who I, I idolize, you know, in terms of, you know, from, from an iconic perspective, you yeah. know, it'll be people like, you know, uh, Malcolm X, uh, Nelson Mandela, um, and uh, most, you know, I've always be, been a big fan of Richard Branson, you know, I love his book, his books, yep. uh, you know, he talks so much sense with, uh, with how he started, he was he started off with a magazine, god damn it, you know. And now uh, he's got so many different things going on, um, but uh, I don't know, man. I mean, there's okay. so many. Loads, loads, <laughs> loads. Well, let, let, let's kind of, I mean, if they're the ones that have inspired you, let's kind of talk about you and kind of, you know, generations to come, as it were. So if you were able to give a piece of advice to a, a maverick starting out now, or like, or even a piece of advice to your younger self starting out, like when you were 17 years old, what yeah. piece of advice would you give? Oh, man, if, uh, I would say uh, when you want to uh, uh, learn the art of networking as much as you can and then use it for good use for yourself and for your community. I think uh, people, you know, when you go to networking events, it's, oh, don't, you always see these people with their business cards, they ask you what you do. If you're not really interested, you know, the chat will only last for two, three minutes and then they're just piss off and go to the next person, you know? Yep. And uh, that's not how you do marketing, you know, uh, sorry, networking. To do that, you could be able to, you know, you gotta do a bit more than that. I think you'll be able to not just impress that person, but catch the person's attention, you know, on conversation-wise. Uh, you know, talk about, you know, like like you and me, you know, we talk about Arsenal, right? Arsenal's our football club. I think uh, yep. I think that's how I kind of hit you off, head off with you. Uh, in, totally. And uh, when we're in Tulum. Uh, sorry, Chichen Itza. We started talking about we football. Were. Absolutely. Yeah, remember that? Football yeah, so Chichen that, Itza, so, absolutely. Yeah, that's where we talked about Arsenal. And it's like, oh, shit, yeah. You know, that's, so you got to have that kind of a grit to literally be more, uh, more flexible than just fancy, you know, showing a fancy business card and thinking that you might get a deal. It's more than that. You know, it's creating repos. It's about sharing stories, you know. It's just, they love, people love stories, man. If it's going to... Like if it's gonna really sink into their mind till the end of the day, they're definitely gonna remember you. You know things that they will remember you by, not by the way you dress. Um, well, it, 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 that can also happen, but yeah, of just, course. But... Just to strike a knife straight into their mind of oh gosh, I've met this amazing guy or amazing woman uh, who who's doing X, Y, and Z, and they have a really 
cool business model. They have a really cool reach out. I think uh, you know we should definitely check it out. You know, and uh, and you know it's it's an art literally. It's not totally. It's not uh, it's not that simple. Like people think, you know, to go network, and charisma plays a lot as well. So if you have that. You go in. You're made, as it were. And, you know, on, on that, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Oh, wow. Uh, well, I always get this, you know, uh, how you say, um, what was that advice? It was, uh, you know, you have that always routinely, you know, fail fast and you'll, you'll go out of it, you know. But yep. I think the biggest advice I've ever gotten um, was primarily about uh you know um uh if you have a if you really have a dream you know uh you have to protect it mm -hmm. um as long as it makes sense uh to to society not as long as uh, you can feel that you can get there uh you should never stop and to make sure that you never stop you got to make sure that you have your supporting system around you yep you're gonna have perseverance and be patient, and you're gonna be able to keep firing, even though you are scared of it. So these three things stick to me, and you know I've been I'm still firing, you know. And uh, oh, once you have cool. a yeah, once you have something, just keep aiming at it. It could be one, two, or three different aims. You know, just you know because people a lot of people like to you know like you know you know I kind of felt like. When I was a kid, I never had the opportunity to uh, have my parents send me to like a football club academy or learn the piano, you know, all mm. this creation stuff where I could have done uh, when I was young. So I never had that. And I've always wanted to, actually, I've always wanted to be a, a, a rock star or a football player, actually. <laughs> yeah. So who knows, you know, if things I did turn out different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. But you know, as you get uh, when I reached the age of 23, 24, I had this vision, you know, I, and my my business partner uh, shares the same enthusiasm as me, and that is to build our very own United Nation-like platform, where but govern bottom to top. So that means we support more the grassroots initiatives that happens on the bottom. Yeah, and we want to help them grow the impact that has direct contribution to the world's economy. In uh, of course, we start with the country per se. And it's like a pimple effect that we want to do. You know, even the pimple, you know, yeah, when, yeah, you, yeah, when yeah, it grows, yeah. can't ignore it, right? You gotta no, deal with it. So you got things exactly on Yeah. So that's exactly what we want to build. So this, as the impact grows, there's no way the people on top, which is which are governments, IGOs, the United Nations stuff, that they cannot ignore you anymore. They gotta deal with you in a, such a manner where they can uh, uh, either am amplify it, optimize it, make it easy for you. So this is. This goes back to my uh, early conversation about law enforcement, you know, yep. hoping that greater impact could influence way how we can help uh, get change domestic or foreign policies to pave way or even laws abolish or make new ones to support it. And that's the best way. So you have best of both worlds. You have the business, social business side yep. where you can profit. You have the impact you're making to the community who are going to grow from low class level to below middle class and that's exactly what we want you know for for businesses that's great for consumers for for the country is good for the economy so at the end of the day everybody wins but yet it's a such a sophisticated uh and very difficult tough industry to be there that's the only challenge so it is 
and this is the dream right now. And I we feel we're not far from it because now we're starting to have regional events where we connect all the incitement chapters together. So we have one in Europe in Brussels that's happening in, in September. Oh, so, so all the incitement European countries are coming together and the purpose is to bond with one another, to share each other's network and resources and have a uh, dialogue on how can they help each other out. Uh, we actually have one in London coming up soon, actually. I, do, I saw that in October, I, I believe. Oh, seriously, October. Okay, uh, yeah. I guess so many countries, so many dates I have uh, to remember. So. Th there are so <laughs> many dates on, on your website of events coming. It's so impressive. It's so oh, impressive. Man, yeah, so, so, I, so I, I guess, I'm sorry, that was quite a long answer, but uh, that's no. literally the, the advice I got, you know, always protect your dream. No matter what, as long but as long as it makes sense and uh, to you, you know, not like woo woo stuff. Like if you're a terrible singer, like really really bad, and you're doing to become a singer, come on, man, you know. Yeah. You know this kind of thing. Absolutely. Come on. You know. Yeah, there's got to be some real. There's got to be some realism in there as well. So. Yeah. But yeah. but that's something about knowing what your superpowers are, right? As well, and kind of knowing what you're what you're good at and all that. So. Oh uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, so listen, I, I kind of want to round this off now because um, you've given us some great stuff here. Just if people want to kind of connect with what you're doing and what Incitement is up to, what's the best way for them to get involved? Oh, definitely. They can definitely directly email it to me uh, if they want because uh, it's, it's just much faster. And, I'm, and I don't mind uh, talking to, you know, having direct access to me. It's, to it's totally cool. Um, you know, you can email it to me to zikri at theincitement.com. And I'll put uh, that in the links as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, you can definitely check our website out. It's uh, www.theincitement.com with a T-H-E in the beginning. Um, and we have a bunch of videos that you can watch the impact we've done and uh, check out the event that's happening worldwide live on our website. And if you're really interested, interested to start your own Incitement Talk chapter, uh, all you gotta do is just apply for the license online. It's free. Uh, you know, it's we want you to help build your own communities of inciters. You know, provoke them to do positive things. So it'll be amazing. You know, uh, if you could join us in this journey of inciting positivity and making this world a much more better, harmonious, peaceful way in any way possible. So hope you share the same vision and enthusiasm as us. Same with Brother Krish. So, uh, yeah. So, that's my call to action. Brilliant. <laughs> there you go. There it is. Zikri, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. I love your tale. There's so much synergy between what you're about and what we're about. And I'm just really looking forward to... I'm certainly going to be there in London and maybe in Brussels. And uh, we will connect soon offline. And just thank you so much for your time today. Hey, Chris, man, no problem, man. Anyway, uh, I'm really, really grateful to be here, and I know this was overdue, and I'm so happy I could finally do it. I love this show. I love what you're doing, and uh, um, and I'm very, very positive that it has a lot of, uh, giving a lot of value to our listeners out there. So if you're if you're listening to this podcast, I hope you keep supporting uh, Chris and his uh, venture, because I'm sure this is going to go somewhere big uh, in the coming months. I know it. I don't. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> cool. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay, let's, let's, let's wrap it for now. Thank you so much, Zikri. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. And uh, keep on listening to Maverick Spotlights for the next episode. Bye for now. Cheers.